This is the All Pro Wrestling 100 Podcast for December 2nd, early morning, December 3rd, 2020. This podcast is all pro wrestling and only pro wrestling. I'm your host, JB, and right now we're going to bring you the AEW Dark Extended Review and Recap, followed in a couple of hours by the AEW Dynamite Winter is Coming Special Event Review podcast that will drop before you hit your morning commute on Thursday. So as you listen to this, understand that I'm on pro wrestling overload, that I've been at it for hours, and I'm here to bring it to you right now. Let's get right underway with Dark so that we can get to Dynamite KTB versus Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard. During this match, which is very physical, Sean Spears' new style, Scorpio Sky comes to the ramp. Spears then focuses his attention on Scorpio Sky throughout the match and wins with Scorpio's Scorpion Death Move. Uh, Scorpio post-match comes in the ring and uncharacteristically, very heel-like, hits an F5 on KTB. Nobody really knows why, but I suppose it's to show his dark side that Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard have brought out in him. So we look forward to that. I'm about to talk to you about some really unfortunate stuff here. It actually was so unfortunate it made me register for an APW 100 Podcast Twitter account. You can now find us there at APW 100 Podcast. Damian Fenrir versus Ricky Starks. You would think on commentary that Taz would have done, I don't know, five seconds worth of homework for a match that involves one of the guys in Team FTW. But since Taz always acts as if he was saddled with Ricky Starks and always treats him like the redheaded stepchild of the group, you don't really expect him to do any homework. Let me tell you what I don't expect out of Taz. I don't expect Taz to mispronounce Fenrir's name, and I don't expect Taz to refer to him as a Fanuk when he's coming out. Now, I couldn't believe what I heard, so I rewound it three times. I brought somebody else into the room later on to let them hear it. He clearly says Fanuk, then quickly tries to backtrack, and there's some silence, and then they all pretend it never happened. Excalibur's getting used to Taz being inappropriate on the air. Fanuk might not be that popular of a term these days, but it is a derogatory term from Taz's generation for a homosexual. Uh, I believe the term is Italian in origin, but uh, I know it's used around the New York area, and I know Taz is familiar with it. He may not have meant to say it on television. This is what Taz does. He'll say something that he knows has crossed a line, and then he'll try to backtrack and be funny. He'll bury Ricky Starks, and he'll bite his head off for seemingly nothing. And then he'll talk about what a great guy he is and what great upside the guy has. This is what Taz does. It's why he doesn't belong on commentary. He never really did belong on commentary. If you look back to why he was on commentary in the first place, it was kind of Vince McMahon's way of saying, you're not a wrestler. We got a place for you here, but it's not in training and it's not in being an agent. We want you to be the funny man on the microphone. You were never that serious as a wrestler. And, and that's why they put him there. And yeah, maybe he figured it out, and maybe he became a great commentator in Impact and on SmackDown. But, you know, I've heard Bruce Pritchard say that Taz will be best remembered as a commentator on SmackDown. Well, no. Taz was going to be best remembered as an ECW world champion and a uh, great tough guy image in pro wrestling. He might be remembered as the guy who gets blacklisted for making homophobic comments if he doesn't watch his mouth. And I went on, registered for an All Pro Wrestling 100 podcast Twitter account. I don't like Twitter. I like Instagram. Twitter is full of hate, and I hate to be the one perpetuating it. But at me calling Taz out for his bad behavior 
is not the same as Taz bullying people on commentary. So we have a Twitter account now. Hopefully I'll be able to put some people over and not just call some people out. Taz, I love Taz. I grew up watching Taz. He was one of my favorite pro wrestlers. I hate what he's become on commentary. It's sad. Meanwhile, Ricky Starks and Damian Fenrir have a good match. Starks hits the Rochambeau and gets the pin. Next up, Danny Limelight versus Brandon Cutler. A clean match with no screw-ups for a change for the Young Bucks buddy, Brandon Cutler. Although he was getting buried all through the match by the commentators because apparently now that he's hitting the gym, he doesn't wear a shirt anymore. And he's constantly showing his body off to other dudes in the back and it's kind of making everybody uncomfortable. And I can totally see it. Brandon Cutler is very full of himself for a guy that's wrestling on dark for his friend's company every week. I don't know. Moving on. John Cruz comes out pushing AEW merch, taking on PPA, Pretty Peter Avalon, because, you know, it's PPA all day. How dare you? And Pretty Peter Avalon gets the win. He hits the martinis and the pin. What great gimmicks. You know, we got one less librarian now. Leva Bates gets to be a standout librarian, and PPA wins his second match in two weeks. So everything is right in the world. Forget for a moment there's a pandemic. Pretty Peter Avalon's won two matches in a row. Tesha Price wrestling, she's 0-3 against Shanna, who's been gone for eight months in quarantine in France. And can we please let Tesha win someday? She doesn't win today. Shanna wins. I'm really tired of watching Tesha Price job every single dark. So come on. I like Tesha. I like her gimmick, and I'm starting to feel bad for her. This isn't supposed to be a, pro- a program makes me feel bad. It's supposed to be uplifting. Come on. It's pro wrestling. Tell a better story. Next up, we got Catalina Perez versus Killian King. You know, she's from Painesville, Ohio. She wins. She's got two wins in a row. I enjoy watching her. She's uh, the Seamus gimmick, but a female and better at it. So I appreciate that. Adam Priest and Sean Maluda versus the Best Friends. Uh, Best Friends go over in this match. We don't cover Best Friends too extensively here because they're terrible. Alex Garcia versus Leva Bates. I enjoyed this match. Alex Garcia has cool hair. She has expensive-looking lingerie ring gear. And Leva Bates, she's the world's sexiest librarian. And this is actually a fact. It's in a book somewhere. Uh, Leva Bates is the sexiest librarian to ever wear plain black trunks. Plain black trunks. Anyway, Taz bullies Excalibur during this match in commentary. Go ahead and check that out. Leva wins with the rare roll-through pin. It was impressive. I enjoyed Leva's outfit tonight. It was simple and understated, but it, it showcased her blue hair. Post-match, Leva presents Alex Garcia with a complimentary copy of the Young Bucks' new biography, and the ladies hug, and they bond over their love of books, so I can get behind that. I enjoy books as well. Next matchup, we have a six-man tag, Angel Fashion, who we describe as an ethnic Bret Hart gimmick, VSK, and Sean Donovan versus the Gun Club. Gun Club wins this match. Every week on Dark, the Gun Club gets to win a match. Just like Brandon Cutler, every week we get to see the Gun Club win a match. Aaron Solo with a W versus Matt Seidel. Solo is the former tag partner of Ricky Starks on the indie circuit. And we got more bullying from Taz of Ricky Starks this time during this match. He tells him not to talk. I'm sorry, Taz, but Ricky Starks' job is to talk when he's sent out to do commentary. It says that he should wait until Taz is done with a statement. Excalibur kind of points out that Taz is never really done. It's a run-on sentence Jones. I don't know that Taz gets that, though, because... Anyway, Taz creates new words, new countries every week. Just listen to Dark if you want an education in the failed New York City and New Jersey public school system. And that's a shoot. Seriously. If that's sad and I shouldn't make that statement, again, listen to AEW Dark each week. 
Uh, Taz isn't kidding around. Nobody jokes about being that bad and having that little command of their native language. No, that's a shoot. Taz just doesn't know English. Matt Seidel wins this match over Aaron Solo. Uh, Solo was sloppy, and he took a couple of really hard bumps on the neck and the back of the head. It uh, didn't look good, but it made Matt Seidel look great, so I guess that was the point. Now, you can see that Ricky Starks was the real talent in this independent circuit tag team. Baron Black and Fuego Del Sol taking on Evil Uno and Stu Grayson from the Dark Order. We got some more Taz bullying of Ricky Starks in this. Are you noticing a theme? You know, when the commentators are there to sell the product and all they're doing is bullying each other. Moving on, uh, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson win this match. Cesar Bonani, his a future star, and Ryzen, R-Y-Z-I-N, future star, take on Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison, neither of whom are future stars. I think AEW has this booking wrong. I think they need to be promoting Cesar Bonani and Ryzen. Ryzen's got a really cool, like, not satanic priest, but like a priest no one's going to take seriously gimmick. He takes great bumps. And Cesar Bonani is the most athletic big man I've seen in a long time. These guys should be winning matches, probably solo. Maybe Ryzen should be losing matches, but they shouldn't be a tag team. I, I appreciate trying to get them on TV if you don't have anything for them right now, but come on. Both of these guys are too unique a gimmick to be jobbing to Brian Pillman Jr.'s hair and Griff Garrison, whatever he's got going on. He's got old-school 80s trunks that, that are, like, purple, and they've got some stuff on them. And both of these guys pay way too much attention to their hair to have such bad hair. These guys, they've got the worst hair in pro wrestling, and yet they pay so much attention to it. I'm not... I don't know who they think they are. It's awful. We need to get these guys' hair off television. I don't mind watching them wrestle. They just... we got to get their hair off TV. So, AEW definitely back in the wrong couple of guys here. Pillman and Griff Garrison win the match. They shouldn't have. Next up, Lindsay Snow representing that alt lifestyle covered head-to-toe in tattoo and piercings versus Ivelisse. Now, I have spent some time watching Ivelisse at this point. I've clocked a lot of her matches. And I gotta tell you, I'm noticing a trend. Ivelisse is mean. Ivelisse works stiff. And most of her opponents hate her by the end of their televised matches. I love watching them, though. Ivelisse, I think, gets better looking and sexier every week that she's on AEW Dark. Uh, she commonly works tag matches on the main program with Diamante, but she's down here working with Lindsay Snow. This was a sexy match. I enjoyed it. Again, if you like stiff, hard-hitting women's wrestling, check out Ivelisse. Match number 14 of Dark features George South Jr. and Bobby Wayward versus the acclaimed Hey, listen, I apologize to George South Jr. and Bobby Wayward, but uh, nope. Nope. Match number 15, Alex Chamberlain and Seth Gorgeous versus The Chaos Project. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I enjoy The Chaos Project. Luther uses his tag team partner as a weapon, and they get the victory over Alex Chamberlain and Seth Gorgeous. Match number 16 on the card, Lady Frost versus Red Velvet. Last week, Lady Frost was involved in a tag match, and I told you all, this woman can wrestle. She gets a chance in solo work against Red Velvet. She has to job, but Lady Frost can indeed wrestle. She looks good out there. She's a lot of fun to look at while she's rolling around. Red Velvet is in the midst of a push, so it's a shame that Lady Frost met her here. I guess Red Velvet's going to get pushed all the way up to the mid-card of the women's division, but... I hope to see more of Lady Frost. If I have to watch my favorite girl's job, then that's fine. At least I get to see him every week. 
pretty soon we're going to have a, a steady crew of girls that have got zero or one wins on AEW Dark, and they can start putting them against each other. And for those of us that watch Dark, it'll be exciting. Main event is kind of a rematch of last week. We've got the Dark Order, this time represented by 5 and 10, versus Jurassic Express, versus Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. Last week, the Dark Order won. This week, Jurassic Express wins. Sort of a rematch from last week. Jurassic Express is now referred to as the number four ranked tag team, so that may mean something in the future. I'm sure they're going to end up getting pushed up for a tag match against the Young Bucks at some point. So that brings us to the end of a long AEW Dark. Really, the most notable thing about this episode, though, was Taz's inappropriate behavior on commentary, and it seems to be getting worse and not better. I'll keep talking about it here because I appear to be the only one talking about it. I hit it up on the Google machine, and no one's talking about Taz's inappropriate behavior. But, like I said, we registered for a Twitter account just to say something about it. We're going to put some people over on that Twitter. Again, APW100Podcast on Twitter. You can hit us up on the email at APW100Podcast at Gmail. We're going to be hitting you up in a couple of hours with the AEW Dynamite Winter Is Here edition. I've seen it. It's amazing. And if you're just getting up in the morning and you haven't caught it yet, spoiler alert, one of the best televised wrestling programs in years. I'll see you guys in a couple of hours with another episode for you, third in 24 hours. Hardest working podcast in the business.